Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. All right, hour two, in about two to three minutes, we'll have Scott Alexander on the program as we go through the NCAA tournament brackets. Huge hour preview coming in just a little bit. Also, earlier tonight, Tim Zimmer and I, we had a chance to record a little impromptu podcast, an NCAA tournament preview special. It's the name we came up with like five minutes before we were recording the actual podcast. You can find that now at WWL.com and also radio.com app you see that floating around in the lsu sports zone section but wwl.com it's right there on the front page you can listen to it there let's uh, get through some phone calls here we have some people holding on wanting to talk about the saints and, and max under er, and free agency we'll start off with al in new orleans what's going on al going on oh you know just doing a radio show man yeah okay so the guy uh Ethan, i think he's possible replacement for pete I'm not sure why we didn't go after the backup center for Pittsburgh because he's not really going to play much because Pouncey just got an extension, but Pittsburgh was like a second round for him, so that's probably why we'd go after him. Yeah. Out of the Eastern thing, it's kind of a head scratcher, too. Yeah, the, the, it was, what, is it $6 million for four years, Alan? It's, it's head scratching to me because it just reeked of desperation after losing Max Unger. Like, well, now we have the salary cap space and we have a huge hole in the middle of our offensive line, so let's go get the best guy uh, that we think still on the market and overpay him a little bit to make sure he comes here. I mean, I get why you do that. You can't afford really too many more guys to slip through that could help your team at that position. We have that massive need now. But Easton's just he has not been he's not been good in the NFL so far. Again, the best metric for offensive line play is PFF. It just is. And he had and they had, uh, pardon me, Nick Easton as a below average center and guard in his career, both a center and a guard. He's graded out below average in the low 40s in that zero to 100 scale that they use. Thanks for the call, Al. Let's go to Walter on the West Bank. Walter, what's going on? Yeah, the question I got to ask you is: I was a little surprised that the, I'm in, I sit in the terrace and the Saints went up seven dollars on their tickets. I thought that's a pretty big increase for one year. Oh, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. So, uh, how about, you got season tickets? Yeah, I've been having season tickets for twenty years. But uh, so is that where I got twenty? So that's like a couple extra hundred bucks, right, a year? Yeah. Well, they have they, they haven't gone up before in a couple of years. They went about two years, two three years without going up, and they're going up. One time two dollars, then one time three dollars, and this last time it's seven dollars. I figure that's a big increase. But that's the question. One of the issues about the Saints: the Saints are not known to pay wide receivers and running backs big money. So when that when the our two best players' contracts come up, mm-hmm. I can't see us paying the wide receiver eighteen, nineteen million a year and a running back all kind of money. Well, they know not to do it. Oh, what is your opinion um, on that? Walter, look, you heard my sigh there maybe because I'm with you. I'm with you. And not only does the Saints not typically play those guys big time money at those positions, frankly, I wouldn't. I would not pay a receiver in the National Football League 
18, 19, 20 million dollars a year, even though the salary cap is going up. It's just too big of a hit. And you look at the history at that position when teams pay receivers that kind of money and at least the top highest paid receivers in the NFL, those teams just don't win. The, the proof's in the pudding. Highest paid receiver in the NFL hasn't won a Super Bowl in 20 years, and they've only made one. It was Julio Jones a couple of years ago. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's a, I mean, I love Michael Thomas, but uh, will Drew be gone by then? Is Are you worth really going to be worth paying him $20 million a year when you're looking at Teddy Bridgewater or somebody else as you retool a little bit? I don't know. But I tell you this, I'm glad I'm not making that decision. I'll just be able to give my opinion on it. <laughs> all right. Thanks for the call, Walter. Somebody who gives his opinion on stuff all the time, every day. Scott Alexander, host of Primetime Sports with Scott Alexander on WLAE TV and CST TV. Scott, what do you think? $20 million a year, Michael Thomas. Go. Man, he's worth it, but uh, I don't know if that's the Saints' way. I mean, I just don't think that's the way they do business, but. You know, it's a tough call. He's worth it, but I just don't see them doing it. I mean, not quite like Belichick. Belichick would never do it. Uh, but the Saints are right behind there. They don't they don't pay exorbitant amounts unless you play the position of quarterback and your name is Drew Brees. Yeah, there you go. All right. All right, Scott. We didn't have you in here to talk Saints, but the question right there uh, was uh, right in front of us. So I want to talk a little hoops, man. Like this is Again, this is the holiday season for us. It comes three months late. I love these next three weeks, man. You ready? It's the greatest time of year, and you're going to be talking the same thing on primetime sports tomorrow night. Hey, you know it, man. You got you got Nola Gold rugby coming in, and I'm following them, and Nola Gold top in the league. I was watching that with you over the weekend, man. You got a heck of a show lined up tomorrow. The Nola Gold are absolutely on fire. I mean, they, this is a fun team to watch. I mean, you have to admit, you were at the at the match. You, I mean, you didn't go to the match, but it was in Houston. But we had a white party over at Ben McCool's, and it was rocking. I mean, uh, it was fun. Uh, the team is just electric. I mean, they, they just look better than everybody else when they're playing it. And they really do. And, and they've got players from all over the world, but we've got some great local players and obviously some great players from around the country, uh, United States. So uh, it's, it's great. We're 5-1 right now in first place. It's competitive league. The first, there's like five really good teams that are – going to be fighting this thing out. Only four of those are going to make the playoffs. Um, you know, there's nine total this year, and there's going to be 14 around that next year. So uh, it's it's exciting times around here for the Noah Gold. But we also have Duran Rudy Macklin, and he's one of LSU's all-time greatest players. Uh, he is the second-leading scorer. Uh, he's like, yeah, second-leading scorer of all time there. He's one of the top two or three. He is the top rebounder. That's right. Leading rebounder and second-leading scorer. Enough said. When you have guys like Shaq, Bob Pettit, Pistol Pete, Chris Jackson, all that, uh, he gets right there at the top, and he was the captain of the best team they ever had. So he's going to come on with John Brady to talk about LSU's chances. Nice. And he's going to talk more of the big picture of uh, you know, of the entire uh, field, and we're going to have fun with that. And uh, I will say, you have a bunch of uh, our crew coming Saturday, right, for the home game. I know uh, Bobby's going to be there. Uh, well, T-Bob's going to be there. Not our crew anymore, buddy of mine. Uh, Oh, Zach's going sure. down there, too. Yeah. Zach Streif is supposed to be there. Christian Garrick is supposed to be there. I know Seth Dunlop is going to come when he can. Uh, but but we're going to have a great, great time. It's going to be huge. And um, When is that? Tell everybody when it is, Scott. So they, I know you can get tickets right now, too. You can get tickets right now, and I appreciate you doing that. You go to uh, – the easiest thing is to go to call 50 
rugby. That's it. If you're in New Orleans, 50 rugby. Or obviously, if you're right outside the area, 504, 50, that's 50 rugby. 50 rugby. And uh, you can do that. Or you can go to nolagoldrugby.com. That's nolagoldrugby.com, and you get tickets that way. Or you can just hit, hit me up on Facebook or Twitter, and I'll I'll tell you this all over again. Yeah, do you get all the right. Scott Alexander special, right, or, or something like that? I will say to, yeah, to our audience. You say you listen. Go ahead, Scott. No, you say you listen to this show, and you get <laughs> the Scott Alexander special. I promise you I'll give you some. Hey, there you go. Uh, I really mean this from the bottom of my heart, everybody. Uh, it's If you need something to do on Saturday, uh, go watch the gold. I cannot wait to go. Um I have to be in April, though. I have family coming into town, and uh, I've got plans, man. So I wish I could go. I'm going to be missing it. But I, I might – if I can convince them to come out there, I will. They're, they've kind of – the yin to my gang, they're just not sports fans, man. You know, like I don't know where I got the sports gene. <laughs> well, it's not even really sports, man. It's just, it's just fun camaraderie. It's, it's, it's good community. It's, it's good family time. And it's just fun being around. And plus, the weather is supposed to be fantastic this weekend. Literally about 70 degrees, sunny perfect so uh we are jacked up and ready to go for this all right let's do it okay scott's gonna hang around for the rest of the hour we're gonna break here really quickly when we come back yes we'll get into it ncaa tournament time we'll start with lsu do we like where they're at in this bracket what do we think of their chances and then we'll get into the meta picture the big picture of the tournaments coming back next with scott alexander primetime sports here on the last lap Tim Zimmer having a little fun on Twitter right now, at TimZim1613. Christian, if you're listening, check it out. It might have to do with you. Welcome back to the show. We're talking NCAA hoops. March Madness is here. It has been March Madness in the very literal way for LSU hoops. It's all that's going on with Will Wade. They're trying to move past that and play some actual basketball. And they're dancing the number three seed in the East region. And Scott Alexander rejoins us now, host of Primetime Sports on WLAE TV and CST TV and LSU. Scott, what do you think of their draw? What do you think of their seed and their place in this bracket out east? Yeah, we talked about it um, yesterday on your show, uh, Just Sports, which I really liked. I enjoyed those two hours. But, you know, I said talent-wise and what their record is, they should definitely be a three, and that's what they got. Um you know, they didn't penalize them for the coach thing. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people I thought they should have. And, I, you know, not having Will Wade does hurt. Let's be honest. It's going to hurt. But, um, but you know what? You know, it's either going to be one thing, and, and I guess everybody's talking about this. I haven't really listened to any radio shows today, but I imagine the topic's going to Are they going to galvanize? Are they going to come together? Are they going to say, hey, it's us against the world. Nobody wants us there. Everybody thinks we're cheaters, blah, blah, blah. Or they're just going to say, oh, man, I can't believe we don't have a coach. And this isn't fair. You know, which which is it going to be? Because if you're going to be this isn't fair, then you might as well pack your bags after the Yale game because they're capable. Uh, Yale is, is no slouch, and Oni is no joke. I mean, this guy is going to be in the league. Uh, they project him anywhere from 20 to 30 in the draft in the first round. So they better be prepared. But they can make a run. That said, they can make a run, and it would not – really be that inconceivable to get all the way to duke and and you know we'll see it's going to be interesting though yeah we, we will see so beyond that first round if i know we're playing the what if game here which is incredibly dangerous ask virginia uh, last year but after that um the the one kryptonite for them that we talked about yesterday was great guard play well great guard play staring him in the face with number two Michi- uh, michigan state 
they have Cassius Winston, who's one of the best players in the country, 19 points a game. He shoots 40% from three. I got to tell you, Scott, I think it's a good bracket for them. I, even Duke. I think Duke, oddly, would be a better matchup for LSU than Michigan State. I do not like them on the same half of that bracket at all. Well, I mean, you're assuming that LSU gets uh, that, that first two, right? Virginia Tech is going to be a beast. That's, Virginia Tech got Justin Robinson. Keep in mind, they're 19 and three with that with him, and that's exactly what LSU has been since mid mid December, 19 and three. Justin Robinson's amazing. So if they can get by VT and Yale, those are going to be two tough games. Then you get Michigan State, who's by the way as well coached as any team in the history of basketball. They always extremely well coached. Um, the the only benefit you have is you don't have Josh Langdale. Uh, who is that other part of that backcourt? You know, you obviously you mentioned Cassius, who's phenomenal. But I did their game over there in Vegas uh, when they played against North Carolina and UCLA and Texas. They did a little round robin out there. And, and they're amazing. I mean, they play so well together. I mean, I don't look at that team and say, man, this guy's an NBA player, this guy's an NBA player. But they have a lot of really, really good players. And, and Cassius is right at the top. That guy's smooth as it gets. No doubt about it. Uh, their possible round two opponent here, um, uh, Scott, uh, Maryland. Uh, I, I got to be honest. I haven't liked oh, Maryland the second uh, second part of the season. Belmont and Temple, 11 seeds. And here's my stat for everybody listening. Stat of the year. When you're filling out these brackets today and tomorrow in your office pool or with your friends and family, no longer is the 5-12 game the upset special. That's a cliche now, to say the least. Actually, five seeds are winning about two-thirds of the time there. The upset special has been the 6-11 games. In the last 10 years, six seeds are just 19 and 21 in those opening matchups. The 11 seeds are winning more than 50% of the time. I'm saying that, Scott, because I like both Belmont and Temple more than I like Maryland right now. What say you? Well, I love Belmont. Hey, excuse me. Maybe I should actually have a bracket in front of me when I talk to you when I, when I said that was Virginia The funny thing is, it's like I don't have it because I'm working on my show for tomorrow, but I am <laughs> going off something ahead. But Belmont is scary. I mean, Belmont obviously has to get through Temple. That's not going to be easy. Uh, but they're definitely a scary team to play if you've got to play them. All three of those will, would, be, would be challenging. I mean, Dumpy is, is playing his last season, obviously coaching ever, uh, the coach of Temple. The coach of Belmont's been there for thirty something years, and that is that's that's kind of be like a Yale team. I mean, they're going to be well coached. They're gonna they've experienced. They've been playing together. This was a magical year. They score a lot of points, and just like Yale, people think of Yale and the Ivy. They score over eighty a game, and that's that's what Belmont does too. They both put points up, but they're also both disciplined, which is an interesting combination. Maryland is still scary. Don't kid yourself. That team would be tough, um, but still, uh, that all those are winnable games for LSU. LSU has definitely more talent than all of them, and that is a definite for sure. Do you believe, Scott, and we're talking to Scott Alexander, primetime sports here, do you believe that LSU will look like a more cohesive, frankly, a, a more well-coached team now that Tony Benford's had a couple of weeks in and really nine days to prepare for this or whatever, I guess I had seven days to prepare for this game, when they get out there for the NCAA tournament, and they certainly did not, in my mind, in the SEC tournament against Florida? I would hope so. I mean, uh, listen, they, they they look great in the first half. I mean, right? And they looked really good in the second half. I mean, they did. Um, I mean, for the first five minutes. And then they just fell apart. I mean, it was 
they, they looked listless. They looked like they didn't really care. And I hate to say that because that's, that's actually making a big statement. But it just appeared that way to me. Yeah, didn't it, it seem it like they were playing out on the playground to you in the last 15 minutes of that second half? That's what it reminded me of. It just they, they forgot everything that they were taught here on campus, and they went back, you know, when they playing on the playground. That's what it was. And they felt it looked like you felt that you were confident and you were taking the scene for granted a little bit. And I know that they would say, hey, that wasn't the case. And, and, but it's just human nature. You were dominating this team. I mean, you, you heard the announcers at halftime say, oh, LSU has a double-digit lead, but this should be 20. And one of them even said 25 because that's how much they kind of dominated and kind of gave away easy stuff. And they missed some gimmies and stuff like that. That's how big they dominated the game. So, I guess it's a little bit of human nature coming out of the second half. Be like, oh man, we've, we, you know, we had two overtime games with this team, but we are owning them this game. Let's just go through, get to the next round to the semifinal. Uh, who obviously that game would have been uh, against Tennessee, but I think it would have been Tennessee, right? Yeah. Um, no, no Auburn, Tennessee. Auburn, oh, Auburn, yeah. Auburn. Yep. Yeah, and Auburn. Let's get to that one because that was enough tough, tough, tough opponent you had early in the regular season when you came back to win. But they didn't. I mean, they, they just came and they. They had turnover after turnover, taking bad shots, uh, not letting the clock run at all. You know, I'm not about, you know, stalling and all that when you get a lead or, or, or you got to stay within your game. But then you, but you also, you don't have to take crazy shots. I mean, some of this stuff was like nuts when you, you know, and I get it when you have a lead, you maybe feel a little better. But once that thing started getting under like 10, I saw, I still saw the same kind of play and it got down to like five and four and you saw them get rattled and it just, you know, you know, Will Wade would have had an effect. Now, would Tony Benford change that going forward? I don't know. Let's hope so. So let's talk about the East region now. That's where LSU is, and Big Bad Duke sitting up there at the one seed. Scott, do you believe anybody in this region in this bracket can challenge Duke, whether that's LSU or anybody on the top half or Michigan State? No, they all can. I mean, listen, Duke's beatable. I mean, we saw that, uh, and it's crazy how. You know, I said this on your show yesterday, but it's crazy how everybody, if, if people are honest with themselves and looked at two weeks ago when Duke was losing to Virginia Tech and losing to Carolina a couple times, the second time not really looking good at all, uh, you know, you, you, you didn't know for sure if Zion was coming back. You kept hearing it, but you didn't really realize how much of an effect, at least I think if, you, if you're honest with yourself, you know he was good, but man. That dude went from like, oh, Duke might be second, second, uh, you know, two seed. Maybe if they lose early in the in the tournament, they'll be a three seed even because they they tailed off me to now being not just the first seed but the number one overall seed in the first. And that's how dominant they were in the tournament, particularly in the first two games, uh, Carolina in particular. Uh, so yeah, things have changed. But yeah, they're going to be challenged. Michigan State will challenge them. LSU has. If you're talking about top-to-bottom talent, LSU's right there. They don't have the first two picks of the draft, that's for sure. But if you balance out the eight that LSU has against the eight that Duke has, I'll tell you five, six, seven, and eight are better at LSU than they are at Duke. Yeah, okay, do you think my take here is uh, it's a hot take or a more reasonable take and that LSU is a, a, a worse matchup for Duke than, they, than Michigan State would be, and vice versa? Duke would be a better matchup for LSU than Michigan State would be for, for um for them yeah yeah i think that's correct in both ways because i mean LSU can can run with whoever they can do whatever style of ball you want because they have the big to do it they can play that discipline if they have to you know they've proven they can they, they against you know the teams that have that but yeah michigan state with the way they play basketball they're extremely cerebral 
they run their plays so crisply. And I can just say that because besides watching them on TV, I watched them straight on for two full games from midcourt at, at Thanksgiving in Las Vegas, and I got to see them up close. They're that good. I mean, I like I, I keep have to stress this because they would have probably been my pick to win it all had Josh Langdale not got hurt. Because I do feel he is that that important senior guard, been there four years, four year starter, uh, a big time player for them. And with him out, that really helps. Uh, Mich- I mean, that hurts Michigan State's chances. They're, they're proven. They've come back. You saw they had that dip right after he got hurt, mm-hmm. and now they've been rolling at the end of the season, particularly in that Big Ten tournament. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, Scott Alexander with us here. We're going to take a quick 60-second break for CBS News when we come back. We'll open it up to the rest of the bracket. And we're also going to open it up to your calls. You want to hop on in here, talk college hoops, NCAA tournament with us? You can give us a call at 504-260-1870. Our text line is 87870-LSU, the three seed in the East. They'll take on Yale Thursday, 1140 Central Time, local time here. Let's go ahead and talk about the one seeds in the other regions when we come back here on the last lap. So I saw a tweet that said, why, I'm paraphrasing here, but why are you guys saying that Michigan State would be a terrible matchup for LSU? But then, and I think it was more me, by the way, than Scott saying that. And then why, but why are you saying then Duke wouldn't be a matchup for LSU? Well, Scott Alexander, who's with us, Scott, I know you can explain this, um, that the NCAA tournament's all about matchups, right? And just because of the seed number or the line doesn't mean that, you know, everybody's equally uh, a good or bad matchup for each team, right? No, that's what it's all about. I mean, literally, that's why it's hard to do this kind of show and, and, and make real predictions. You can pick the teams you think are best uh, before they have the selection show, but until you really see who they're playing, like it, this is not a good matchup for LSU. Yale, in the opening round, uh, I could pick a, a probably almost every other team that's 14 seeds or below that I'd rather see than Yale. Uh, in this opening round. I mean, because Yale could easily have been a 12, and LSU could have been a 5, and that was in the same matchup. You know what I'm saying? So don't look at 14 and 3. Uh, it's not that. You know, and I, I know LSU's coming out here. I think the line was 10. I think it dropped to 8. And if I, I would never, I mean, as, as an LSU alum, let's take the journalists out of it, I would never bet against LSU because I, I like them. I don't want to root against them losing, right, or, or not winning the way they're supposed to win. So, But if I was not living here, I'd probably take Yale. And, you know, Straight up or LSU. against the spread? No, against the spread. Okay. No, no, no. I think LSU's got the guns, and I think they can blow Yale out. There's no doubt. But Yale has has an NBA player. That's a big deal when you have you know one guy that can take over a game and they play good defense for a team that scores 80 points. Watch some clips of them and watch them play defense. LSU's bigger, stronger, and will outman them, but not as much as you might say when you saw the Princeton teams and the Penn teams from from past like Cinderella uh, Ivy League teams come in. This is more of a team that could probably play uh, in a much bigger conference and do well. Let's take a phone call here. Dave in Algiers. you got a question or a comment here for Scott Alexander and I. What's going on, Dave? Hey, uh, I saw the selection show last night. Uh, and uh, to echo what, what y'all just just talked about, uh, about Yale, uh, that's what the CBS guy said too. The LSU should watch out for Yale because uh, they're good. Uh, my question is, why does Ole Miss, a lower seed, get to stay in the South and we, the higher seed, got to go to the East? 
Well, that's a good question. Uh, Scott, we uh, lost Scott there uh, for just a second. But, Scott, the question from Dave was, this is a good one, uh, why is uh, uh, Ole Miss um, able to go into the south region while um, you see a team like – and I don't think it's uh, – I don't think it's Ole Miss uh, that he was referencing there, but it, the question was because Ole Miss isn't in the South. Uh, they're not even in this. What? Say this again, Tim. Come on in here. What'd you Ole say? Ole Miss is right under the eight, nine seat under Virginia. Yeah. Uh, you, oh, they, yeah, there they are. You're right. They are. Uh, my bad. So, yeah, they're the eight seed here. Um, see, I was looking for Ole Miss and they had it under Mississippi, and that's why. <laughs> so, yeah, they are. So, the question from Scott, the question from our caller, Scott, was why does a team who's lower seeded get to stay in the South? Uh, while a team like LSU has to go out west, um, it, it honestly has not. It doesn't have anything to do with anything, unless you're a top seed. Uh, it does, you're not going to get. I mean, or a second seed, you might get some preference, but that's really all it is. It's not. You're not going to get because they're trying to slot games at this point. Once you get past doing the the team, I mean, UNC is a one team, and they're in the Midwest. Uh, you know, so what does that really matter? I mean, honestly. They don't do – they try to accommodate as many as they can. That is true. Uh, but that, that's just – once you get past the top teams, like you're giving UVA a South, you're giving Duke an East because they are the one and two. The reason, you know, UNC is not a South or an East because they were the third number one seed. So they get the – and Gonzaga's out West, so they go West. But once you get past that, I mean, look, I mean, look at uh, Syracuse as an eight. You know, they're from Syracuse. They're out West. Yep. They don't care. They're just trying to slide games. and. And if it, if it happens to give you a couple of these teams close, that's more coincidence than anything else. I can trust you. Yeah, and, and the pod system has LSU staying close during the first weekend because they're in Jacksonville, which, you know, this, Scott, they have a pretty good history out in Jacksonville, yeah. right? I was there, baby. Let me go ahead and tell you. I was there in 2006 living in Atlanta. I was an agent at the time. I came down. I watched the first-round game in Jacksonville. They played Iona. I remember the game well. The Gales played LSU super tough for most of the game. They had one player who kind of reminds me of this Yale guy. I mean, he could he could ball. He could score. His name escapes me, but he was a baller, and he was hitting everything. He was, he was dynamic, and LSU was in trouble. But they pulled that one out. They kind of won going away a little bit, but only at the very end. Next round, Texas A&M. Boy, they gave LSU all they could handle. That's when that's when they had Billy Gillespie. They were getting really good, um, and and then they, um, you know, they were supposed to be very good. And the LSU Final had to have 14, a miracle man. three. Had to have a miracle three. They were down two. They hit this three from Daryl Mitchell with three point nine seconds to go ahead, and then they go to Atlanta, which is the greatest weekend, almost except for national titles in football and LSU history and maybe baseball titles because they beat duke the number one team in the country shut down jj reddick and then they beat uh texas who was loaded with players lamarcus aldrich etc on the way to the final four so yes it started in jacksonville just like this one and let's hope the magic repeats itself that was the four seed this is the three seed very similar situation there you go uh three seeds against the 14 seeds since 2003 they're 56 and eight last 10 years they're 34 and six also, if they're favored by 12 points or less, they're 22-17-2 against the spread. However, the over-under has only hit 12 out of 41 times, 12-29, and 29, the over-under there. So there's a little betting info for everybody. Okay, Scott, let's talk about the other parts of this bracket. Let's go to the bracket of doom here. That's what I'm dubbing it. A bracket of death, take a World Cup term. That's the West region. Holy smokes. 
Gonzaga's the one seed out there. You've got Syracuse-Baylor, the 9-8 game. You've got a great Marquette team against one of these small or mid-major stories of the year in John Morant and Murray State. Florida State, who made the ACC tournament final. You've got Buffalo, who's in the top 15 or just about any uh, you know analytic stat that you can find out there, whether it's Ken Palm or Ned or Sagarin. Texas Tech, one of the best te- uh, defensive teams in the country, the three seed. You've got Eric Musselman in Nevada. You've got Florida. You've got Michigan. Boy, you want to talk about a loaded bracket, man. That's where my zags are. Yeah, that's only because you're a Zag fan saying that. Uh, that's what everybody says from their region. Everybody I know from Tennessee, <laughs> like I can't believe we have to play Cincinnati two hours from where they they play, and they got UVA. Well, why are they playing them? UVA is the second, the second best uh, number one seed. We're in old Tennessee fans say we're the first number two seed. Why are we in there? And the people that are in North Carolina's bracket say why is Kentucky with us? They should be a one seed. All the brackets say that, Seth. Uh, last year, they did, or a couple of years ago, when Lonzo was in there. They had, they really did have a bracket of death when it was like UCLA was a four seed that year, and they were extremely good. And they had Michigan State, Kentucky, and North Carolina in that one bracket. Now that was a bracket of death. This, it's a good bracket, but don't let's not exaggerate. It's pretty good all the way through, and it does give Gonzaga a very tough round two game particularly if it's Syracuse I think and and this this will show you how objective I'm trying to be here or maybe I'm just hedging my uh, my Gonzaga bets I think I got Michigan coming out of that bracket man what about you I don't I don't because I I think this is a hungry Gonzaga team I do and I, I love all the people that are talking about them getting upset I really really love that because more the merrier because that's what I like to do is pick a team that I know can win it all, has incentive to win it all, has talent to win it all, has coaching to win it all, and has tasted the fruit but not quite gotten there. And those are the ingredients that I like to pick when I'm picking uh, a team that can go far and possibly be a national champion. And all the boxes are checked with the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I will say, Scott, uh, Syracuse scares me to death, the Zag fan part of me, because that zone, when you have not seen it before, we've seen it in the tournament, right? Once it gets to the NCAA tournament time, they might struggle in conference play a little bit with teams who are familiar with that. But when they go out of conference and nobody's seen it, oh boy. Jim Beheim's team usually make deep runs this time of year. Yeah, and it's, it's particularly tough when you have to play them without practicing it all week, you know, when you only have that one day of practice in between. That's why they upset Michigan State, you know, in that big run down the line when Michigan State was number one and they were, you know, a far seed. You know, when they got that 8 9 seed range when they got to the finals you remember that yeah uh and that's that's what happens um when you know you get down there and and you know they they they're dangerous i mean you watch them play if they're so long and they he recruits these guys that play that matchup zone and if you really watch it closely it's hard to get your shot up that's why like when duke was playing them uh you know and they're tough to do and all of a sudden they're just Krzyzewski always makes adjustments. All the great coaches do. And sometimes the second half is better than the first. But uh, they play ugly basketball because they force you to do things you do not want to do. And that's the thing with Gonzaga. They do have big guys that can offset that length. You know, that's the key is offsetting the length. And don't think you can get all these open shots that you normally do because that's what they take away with those long arms and reaction to away from the ball. Talking March Madness NCAA tournament with Scott Alexander. We've talked the uh, talked the East and the West brackets. We'll go South and Midwest. That's Virginia, North Carolina's bracket when we come back. And also your calls. If you want to talk some college hoops and NCAA tournament with us, you got a question, you want to comment, you want to talk LSU, 
Give us a call at 504-260-1870. Text line is 870-870. It's the last lap, NCAA tournament style here on WWL. Get those dancing shoes on. It's tournament time. LSU takes on Yale 11.40 a.m. on Thursday in the opening round. If the Tigers win that game, they'll take on either Maryland or the winner of the Belmont Temple game. They're playing in the first four matchup on Saturday. You can catch all the action right here on Tiger Radio, WWL, 105.3 FM and Big 870 WWL AM. Scott Alexander joining us now, host of Primetime Sports on WLAE TV and CST TV. I'll be on his program tomorrow. Be sure you check that out and all week long with the replays on CST and WLAE TV. Let's go to the South region, Scott. We've talked about the East and the West. The Virginia Cavaliers, a number one seed for the fourth time in the last six years. They have never made it past the Sweet 16 when they're a number one seed under Tony Bennett, you could not pay me enough money to get on this bandwagon again because I've been on this bandwagon before, Scott. Are you on the Tony Bennett Virginia Cavalier bandwagon? I mean, of course. I mean, they're great. They're a great basketball team. Um, will they make the final four? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I like Tennessee. I like the way Tennessee plays basketball. I said that uh, even as an LSU guy. I like Tennessee a lot. If Tennessee and Virginia can somehow hold seat, hold serve, and you know how this is, it always seems obvious right now, you know, when we're talking before the tournament starts, that the one and two will likely meet, and they never do. Um, but if they do, that will be a clinic in good basketball because I think both these teams are very well coached. I think Tony Bennett, I mean, I don't want to ever say best, but right now I think he's probably the most desirable coach in America as far as, if you want a team that you know you can get a coach that's going to win for the next 30 years, he's your guy. Uh, and they're great, and they have great shooting, uh, but they do seem to falter. Um, they don't have an inside big man that can score at will. I mean, they have, a, they have a guy that's a great run protector in Jack Stolt. They have an NBA prospect in DeAndre Hunter. And, by the way, I don't even have a bracket, much less notes in front of me. I'm just doing this off. Like, I'm, you're telling me the, these reasons, <laughs> Off the top of the head, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I'm just I remember from memory, but I know the teams because I watched them all year. And, and Ty Jerome and, uh, obviously, Guy, uh, Kyle Guy, of I mean, those two guys can shoot the lights out. And I watched the game just two weeks ago against Syracuse, that team that plays such good defense and actually stymied Virginia for about the first 10, 15 minutes. And then it was lights out, literally – uh, UVA hit 18 out of 23 threes at one point. I think they finished 18 to 25. 18 threes in college, that's a UVA record, and it was phenomenal to watch. I mean, it was truly amazing to watch those guys clicking in unison. If you watched that game, you'd be like, oh, yeah, they can definitely win the national championship. And that game was just a couple weeks ago. I like Tennessee too, man. I do. Um, Villanova's in this bracket as a six seed. Uh, most people think they're a little overseeded. They got seeded on reputation. But, I mean, you get Villanova, who's uh, won two out of the last three titles in late March and early April. I don't know if any team's really going to want to face them. No, and they got their they got their two key, two of their key guys from last year back. They had to let these young guys grow. Remember, they lost a lot of talent the last two years to the pros. Um Villanova is going to be a factor. They won the Big East tournament. You can say what you want about that conference, but it's solid. Not as great as it was the last couple of years, obviously, but but they are going to be a factor as a six seed. Yeah, 
you don't want to have to face them if you're the second round team that's a three uh, going in. Uh, <laughs> what, a, what a gift, right? Yeah, I'm. Uh, oh, who's the three over here? This is uh, Purdue in that bracket. Yeah, I'm the three seed here, and my gift is in the second round. I got to go play. Uh, you know, the defending national champs. Congratulations. Yeah, fun game, though. <laughs> Congratulations. Good, good for rating. Yeah. Second round. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, the the Midwest region. This is the region that I believe is going to belong to North Carolina. I don't see anybody outside of perhaps Auburn on the top half of that bracket. And look, Auburn just won the SEC tournament. Maybe they can challenge Carolina. Um, after that, yeah, it's, it's Carolina and Kentucky in the Midwest for me. Everything else is just fodder here. Houston's got a good team. I understand that. There's talk about Wofford and their place in the Nets and Ken Palm ratings in the top 15, both there. Uh, lots of talk about Utah State, the mid-major that is the higher seed taking on the Pac-12 regular season champion Washington, but it's Carolina and Kentucky in this bracket for me. But what about for you, Scott? Uh, now I'm going to look at a bracket just so I can look at one. Um, okay. I love Utah State. I absolutely love that team. I think they'll get by Washington, and I think they will give UNT fits. I mean, fits. That is the type of style team that's going to give them a trouble. Uh, and after that, listen, I've been talking Auburn up ever since I saw that LSU game. Um, I became a believer again in Auburn, and they lost. You know, they lost the big lead, but I just watched how those guards were just dynamic again. They kind of had a little dip early in the middle of the season. They started out as a top five, six team in the country. So keep that in mind when you're looking for a sleeper team that can go far. Now they would have to have an upset here. Obviously to get to the lead eight, you got to get first, you got to get by Kansas. Who's depleted in my opinion. They're not the same Kansas, but much like Villanova, they're still Kansas. Mm-hmm. You know, they just happened to lose a lot of guys this season during the season, as opposed to Villanova having guys go to the pros after the championship last year. So, Auburn and Utah State are two teams to really watch out for. I know a lot of guys, I think Iowa State kind of got shafted on their seed at number six. I think they definitely should have had a better seed than Kansas. They deserved it. Um, and I, I don't get that except for reputation. But Iowa State is another one that's a, that probably should have been a three or four seed, not a six. So they're dangerous. And, boy, Whopper can shoot the freaking lights out. And it would not completely – well, Seton Hall is tough, much tougher than people think. So that's not an easy first-round game. But if they got by, they're going to give Kentucky a battle for about – if they got in that game for about 70% of it because they'll shoot the lights out. And then Kentucky's strength and athleticism will kind of overpower them at the end. But you got some fun possible matchups here. And we always seem to talk about them. They never come to fruition. But if they do, it'll be a, it'll be a really fun tournament to watch. A little live trivia here with the trivia guru himself. Uh, there's four teams in the country with 20-plus uh, consecutive years in the NCAA tournament. One school at 30. Could you name them, Scott? I mean, I mean, I, I, listen, off the top of my head, probably not. But I'm going to go Kansas. Is, is Kansas one yep. of them? Yeah, they're the 30. Just hit 30. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, and listen, I don't have like in front of me, but I'm, I'm a guess Gonzaga maybe. Is yeah, Gonzaga's twenty one. You're two for two. This is great. See, this is why I asked. I knew you'd get at least half of these. Well, this is just guessing. So let me try to think if Kentucky had a down year. No, Kentucky made the NIT one year, so not them. Um, let me. Think. I'll give you hints. Carolina. They're big names, and they're both top North two. Carolina. Uh, Duke. Duke's Duke. one. Yep, twenty four years yeah, for Duke. One. Yeah, and the other one, it's, uh, let me think about this. Oh, Michigan State. Yep, you got him. There you go. Yep, uh, Kansas, 30 straight years. Duke, 24. Michigan State, 22. And Gonzaga, 21. That's actually the only schools even above 10 straight 
consecutive tournament and appearances. I you in Seattle, I took them out right away. You heard that, right? Because yes, I did. I <laughs> Didn't count. Yeah, because they, they were 12 and 20 in 2004. You can look that up, and that's off the top of my head, too. And then they came back and won, maybe three. And they came back and won that title in 2005 with all those freshmen. Yep, uh, yep. Nine straight for Carolina. Nine straight for Cincinnati, too. Uh, checking in at number five in this list. Most people probably wouldn't get that. That's a bar trivia question for you. Uh, you name some schools in the top five. Nobody would get in Cincinnati in there. We're going to take a final break here when we come back. We'll have some predictions. Final four predictions, maybe a little national championship predictions. And some teams we're watching outside of the big boys. Scott Alexander, Seth Dunlap as well here. The last lap continues on WWL. Welcome back to the show, NCAA Tournament Time. Well, he tips off tomorrow. First four games in Dayton. Farley Dickinson against Prairie View, Belmont Temple, North Dakota State, North Carolina Central, Arizona State, St. John's. All of those games go into the East and West brackets. All right, Scott, I'm going to put you on the, uh, you know, the, the hot seat here. And by the way, feel free to change these for your official brackets. But for our show, who are you taking to go to the Final Four and maybe your favorites to win it all? Oh my goodness! We doing this? We're doing it. No, God. Oh man! You know, I told you on your show that this is this is the one year there is a there's a lot of separation between like you know I was like LSU, don't be worried. There's a lot of separation between you know the top four or five teams and the rest of them. There really is, and I, I hate picking ones. I mean, my thing is like when I win, it's usually when I pick UConn, who's a three seed in 2011. And I won a giant pool when that happened. Everybody likes to claim they had Kimba, but, Kimba, but they didn't because only only three out of a thousand in my thing picked them. But the fact is, is that's how you win. So, but I don't like going with number one seeds a whole lot. But I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna take LSU to go to the Final Four over here in the the East. That's where you're gonna go, LSU. And then we're gonna go to Tennessee over in the other side there in the South. And then you're going to get uh, North Carolina, and then you're going to get Gonzaga. Uh, so there you go. Gonzaga is going to beat LSU. And then you're going to have uh, North Carolina is going to beat Tennessee. And Gonzaga is going to beat North Carolina in the final. Bam. Oh, Might rematch from a couple of years ago. I like it. Okay, my officially, so I can put you on the hot seat. Uh, here's well, mine, and I reserve the right to change these in any official brackets I submit here for well, our bracket challenge. Let me reserve it, too, because I don't even look <laughs> yes. at it. I just no, no, no. You can absolutely reserve it. Uh, yeah, we're just we're winging it here a little bit. Um, because we don't have to get these brackets until tomorrow or Thursday. Uh, I do like. She's going to win it all right here. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Put the tape on. I want to turn this on around Eastern time. Okay. Yeah, there you go. That's a veteran move because nobody's going to remember if it doesn't happen, but everybody's going to remember if it does happen. Uh, I'll take Duke coming out of the East. There's no way you can get me to take Virginia in the South. Not going to happen. Give me Tennessee, that veteran-laden team coming from the South. I told you I love Carolina. And as much as it pains me right now, I may change this. I think Michigan's path to the final four a little bit easier than gonzaga's if those two teams meet i'd probably like gonzaga if gonzaga doesn't get that far which right now i'm predicting they uh, don't don't hedge it don't hedge no it. i'm not i'm just saying i'm gonna say i'm gonna take i know this pains no. me oh gosh you know what i know you know what no no forget it forget it I, i'm not gonna do it because then I'll, I'll, i'm gonna jinx myself and i'll be like well if you just would have taken gonzaga you know the basketball gods would have gotten them there so you know what i'm taking gonzaga forget it i've been i've been saying how much i like michigan yeah, in this. yeah I'm going, Gonzaga, I'm, going, I'm going Gonzaga, Duke, Tennessee, North Carolina. I will take the final that everybody kind of wants to see, Scott, and that's Duke, North Carolina. Can you imagine that final and the ratings for that one? Holy smokes. It would be giant. 
It'd be giant, man. I mean, listen. I mean, how many? I mean, how many years they've been playing basketball? I mean, literally, they literally, they said there's like five to eight points that separate the last hundred times they played. That's how close it's been. The last, I mean, it's it's like around fifty fifty in games, but the points themselves, when you add up all the points, and if you could get them into a final, that would be just magic. Yeah, indeed. Uh, only thirty seconds left. You got a team you, you like keeping your eye on besides the big boys here? Any any small teams or teams that most people are overlooking? Well, Utah State is fabulous. I mean, really fabulous team. They're they're dangerous. Nevada. Everybody seems to be forgetting them. I could see them making a run. I might even have them in the Elite Eight. Um, I, I like Wofford. It's a fun team to watch. And, and there's a few others. Oh, oh, Buffalo. Really, really good basketball team. Don't, don't overlook them. I know they got a, a good seat, but they deserve that. And moving forward, have a good week, everybody. All right. Hey, Scott, appreciate it. We'll see you on your show tomorrow. It's Scott Alexander, host of Primetime Sports on WLAE-TV and CST. He's on Twitter at DScottAlexander. And I'll be on Primetime Sports tomorrow evening and throughout the week. Check that out. We're not done here on The Last Slap. Sheldon Mickles of The Advocate going to talk LSU. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 